Well, it sounds a little different, don't it? <laughs> Welcome, friends. Welcome to a very special edition of Sounds Like Radio, when we welcome you into our inner sanctum. This is a Halloween edition of Sounds Like Radio, and that's why, for a brief time only this time, we will be here to scare you, thrill you, and make you laugh. Yes, we're going to have a Halloween edition of The Great Gildersleeve today, in addition to some spooky stories, I might add. Boris Karloff will be here. Alfred Hitchcock will start us off. This is, by the way, my Boris Karloff imitation. In case you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of good stuff, friends. A lot of spooky things and a lot of uh, scary tales to tell. And, of course, a very good Gildersleeve Halloween program. Let's start off, shall we, with this little tale introduction here from Alfred Hitchcock. How do you do, boys and girls? My name is Alfred Hitchcock, and I'm delighted to find that you believe in ghosts, too. After all, they believe in you, so it is only common courtesy and politeness to return the favor. As a matter of fact, I tell them human stories all the time, and they enjoy them immensely. Now, of course, the best way to listen to ghost stories is with the lights out. There is nothing like a dark room to attract ghosts, and you may like to have some of our mutual friends come and listen with you. Are the lights out? Good. Doors closed, blinds drawn, excellent. Don't worry about the ghosts getting in. They can slither through keyholes and under doors, you know. Now, just be quiet. Hear that slithering? Ah, good. Now that we're all here, we can begin. First of all, let me say that I have always been curious about those things which makes the average person's blood run cold with fear and horror. But then the average person becomes upset over such simple things as a door opening... <laughs> Footsteps in the hall. An ordinary owl or cat. And they make such a fuss over simple things like the fluttering of a bird's wings. A girl's voice on a summer evening. Or for that matter, a dripping faucet, as we seem to have here. But you and I are above these things. However, it might be best for me to get a wrench and turn that water off completely. While I'm doing that, why don't you listen to the first story? Thank you, Alfred. Now that Alfred Hitchcock himself has come by, stop by. Why? Well, to set the mood for our Halloween special. I am your humble host here on Sounds Like Radio, and we are going to have a lot of fun today with Halloween specialties. Starting with a little story from Barth Koloff. Yes, Alfred Hitchcock, 
He stops by Sounds Like Radio, and now we have the master of horror, Boris Koloff. You know, when I was a kid in the 1960s, we used to get the monster magazines, and we'd read through those monster magazines. Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney, Bella Lugosi, Christopher Lee, they were all a very, very, um, the very staple of these monster magazines. You always were seeing pictures of Boris Karloff and articles about Boris and his family and of all the monsters, all the favorite monsters. And that's how we really, I think, became to love these great famous monster uh, heroes of ours from the movies. Uh, and also, of course, they used to show these classic monster movies on television. Every Saturday night, we'd have Chiller Theater. It was great. I loved Boris Karloff movies. They were my favorite. Bela Lugosi was my second favorite. And so whenever I think of Halloween, I naturally think of Boris Karloff. Yes, just as sure as my name is Boris Karloff, this, ladies and gentlemen, is a thriller. That's the way Boris used to introduce his thriller television show. All right, we've got to... And it's, all right, now it's my turn. Now I get to introduce Mr. Boris Koloff myself. Here is Boris Koloff with our first spooky story of the night. It's called The Man in the Raincoat. Boris, are you here? He should be coming. There he is. You hear that eerie sound? <laughs> Boris never lets you down, does he? All right, Boris. You know, I think you have a question for me because I'm feeling a little uneasy, Boris. Are you one of the frightened? Yes, I am. Have you ever imagined someone was following you? Caught a glimpse of a strange face in the crowd behind you and then that face mysteriously seems to be with you wherever you go. Sylvester Dodge had just such an experience. Walk with me a bit, and I'll tell you about Sylvester and his man in the raincoat. Sylvester Dodge was a man like you or me. He worked as a bookkeeper in a Wall Street office, and for many years he was saving for the day when he could afford his trip to Europe, away from ledgers and bank balances and adding machines. Finally, the last week of daily toil approached, and anticipation thrilled his fat little body as he boarded the Lexington Avenue local. The big vacation loomed on his horizon as the reward of a dreary lifetime. It was then that Sylvester Dodge first noticed the man in the raincoat with the curiously shaped umbrella. Something about the man made Sylvester shudder. The man's face was a deathly white, and the hands surrounding the handle of the umbrella were like great claws. The flesh of the fingers were horribly gnarled and ghastly green. Sylvester could not bear to look at him, but even in turning away, he felt the eyes of the man boring into his back like twin beams of awful light. You know the feeling, don't you? Someone who's looking at you, staring at you, eyeing you with such a terrible concentration that you want to scream or cry out, Stop! Stop! When the train reached the station, Sylvester rushed from his car like a man released from prison. The man in the subway had shocked him, but then again, you 
do meet all kinds of people in New York, don't you? And so Sylvester Dodge began the five-block walk to his office. The sun was out. April breezes caressed the stone buildings and people hustled along with spring steps. But Sylvester had that curious feeling that I mentioned to you. Someone was following him. He felt eyes peering at his back, could feel somebody's interest and attention focused on his rounded body hurrying through the crowd. He found himself walking faster, faster. He stopped for a streetlight, panting for air. He turned. A deathly white face in the crowd bobbed like a Halloween skeleton and vanished. Sylvester Dodge whirled and raced across the street, his coat tails flying. He stopped again, a block away from his office, and flung a backward look. There was the man in the raincoat, waving his claw-like hand in greeting the, the umbrella dangling from the wrist. Something pounded in Dodge's skull, and desperately he raced the remaining block and fell against the building wall, gasping for breath. He turned slowly fighting for his reason, but no, there was the man with the raincoat, a scant ten yards away, coming towards him. The ghastly face was smiling, the umbrella was outstretched, almost as if it was seeking something. Sylvester Dodge pushed out from the wall and left the protection of the building. At that precise moment... The grand piano that was being hoisted to the office on the fourth floor swung awkwardly on its pulley. The rope snapped, and its great weight crashed to the sidewalk, pinning Sylvester Dodge to his death. So you see, poor Sylvester tried to run away from his fate and dodged in the wrong direction, all because he had the silly notion that someone was following him. Well, uh, I'll leave you here, my friend. Uh, huh? Oh, you don't think my face is so awfully white, do you? Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I seem to have dropped my umbrella. Would you mind very much handing it to me? Oh, dear. Oh, that was quite frightening. Nom, 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 nom. Oh. Never listen to a Boris Karloff story in the dark, friends. Speaking of the dark, we want you to turn out your lights right now. We have a short little story for you. Directly from the man who hosted Lights Out. Everybody. I'm speaking of Arch Obler. His classic scary radio show is called Lights Out. We've got a neat little tale here that I'm going to let Arch Obler himself introduce. Arch, take it away. Let us turn to another delightful phase of horror, the supernormal. I call this little opus The Dark. It's the sort of horror that was most effective on radio after midnight to make you wish, as you pull the bed covers over your head that night, that the author had been strangled while very young. <laughs> but he wasn't. So uh, try this on for size. Hey, where are you turning? 
alarm said Pine Street, didn't it? Oh, not? yes, yes, of course. So why the siren? The only traffic out here is on horseback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again, Doc. It's from nothing to nowhere. Okay, let's go. Yeah, right with you, Doc. Right with you. Said somebody was hurt? That's what the switchboard said. Gee, what a dump. Huh. Don't seem to be a bell. Oh, there must be. There's a light in there. Try the door. Hmm. Yeah, it's open. Well, let's go. All right. Hello in there. Hello. This is another false alarm. Anybody here? I'm a doctor. <laughs> hey, look. In the corner. <laughs> this I gotta see. <laughs> Lady, I'm a doctor from General Hospital. Now, what's the matter? <laughs> she is screwy, all right, ain't she? Frightened. <laughs> Come on, Doc. You want us to get her out of here? Or the straitjacket. Shall I get the straitjacket? Oh, Doc, wait. Where are you going? Can't get it open. Huh? What's the matter? What do you want to go in there for? Can't get this open. Okay, Whoever okay. is hurt must be in there. Blasted dog. Come on, we'll break it down. <laughs> but the woman. Forget the woman. Come on, put your shoulder to it. Come on. Yeah, yeah, all right. It's dark. Yeah. Can't see a thing. Go on back in the other room and get that kerosene lamp. Well, I get it, I say. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Here, Doc. The lamp. Okay. Hold it high. Yeah. <gasps> oh, mother in heaven. Uh, on the floor. What is it? It's a man. Oh, no. It can't be. Yes, I tell you, yes, it's a man. A man. And he's been turned inside out. <laughs> inside <laughs> out? Yes, see for yourself. It's a man. But the skin is the inside. The raw flesh is the outside. Organs hanging. <laughs> yeah. It's a miracle. A man turned inside out. Like you turn a glove inside. <laughs> it's alive. It's alive. See, it alive. Yes. Ah, it's trying to get up. Oh, no. It's trying to get up, I tell you. It's trying to move. Sam, pull that light high. Watch. Look at it rolling over. Stop trying, it, trying to get up. Stop that. Look, trying to get up on its knees. Doc, make it stop. Kill it. Do something. Sam, a man stop. can't live inside stop. out. Stop. I stop. Hysterical old woman, it's what you are. Now you stand there and shut up. Listen to him. Listen to him. Oh, let's get out of here, Doc, please. Don't be a fool. We've got to find out. What? What? Look, there's another door. Yeah. Open. The answer might be in there. Doc, don't. we got The lantern. Gotta... Bring it. Gee, Doc, why can't we just go? Hold it high. Doc, what? Don't move. There's, there's no floor in there. I, I don't see nothing. Nothing but dark. Well, look. A dark sort of spills over on the edges. Huh? Well, look, I tell you. It's a deeper dark than dark. Something moving in there. Dark? 
close the door? No. No, wait. Then I'll close it. Oh, you fool, open that door. I've got to see what... She's coming in here. Come on, Doc. Let's get out of here. No, Sam, I'm going to find out what this is all about. All my life, things have been what they've been. I'm going to know all about this. Please, Doc, please, let's get out of here. Woman, if you know anything, tell me. What was it we saw back of that door where the floor should have been? Do you know? She... She's going to the door. She's going to open it. Yes. Oh, Doc, will you listen to me? Let's get out of no, here. No, no, wait. She's just standing there, looking in at the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, what's that coming up out of the hole in the floor? The dark. It's like... like black smoke... Listen to it. <laughs> it's reaching up to her. Yes. What is it? Smoke? Black? What? Crawling up around her. <laughs> it's covering her. No. Inside out. It, it turned her inside out. Inside. Out. Sam. Sam, get up. Sam, open your eyes. The shadows are crawling along the floor toward us. Come on, Sam. Come on. Sam, you're... Oh, you're too heavy. I can't lift you. Sam, you've got to hear me. The shadows, they're crawling toward me along the floor. I can't leave you. You saw what they did to her. Look at her. Inside out. A woman inside out. Oh, Sam. I'll drag you out of here. Oh, you're so heavy. They're coming faster and faster. Like long black fingers. Ah, my legs. Let go of me. Sam, I can't help you to holding me back. The black. It's covering you. Sam! Uh, no. No, you... You thing, whatever you are, get off me. Stop covering me. I've got to get out of here. I've got to tell them all about you. I've got to tell everyone there's something like you loose in the world. Got to warn everybody. Get off me. Cold, slimy. How can shadows be slimy? So cold. Covering me over. My head. Ah. My face. The ghost. My face. My mouth. The ghost. Telling you, friends, it ain't good to listen to these stories in the dark. And that's what the name of that story was, by the way. The Dark. I gotta have myself a swig of Werner's ginger ale. Because when I get frightened like that man, ain't nothing, ain't nothing can quite control my frightful emotions. 
Mm. And a good swig of ginger ale. Werner's ginger ale is what I get nowadays. There was a time a few years back when they made the greatest ginger ale all, uh, that I have ever tasted. It was called Tiger Ginger Ale. Tiger was the name of the, the um, ginger ale made by Rock Creek. It was the greatest ginger ale, and it's been gone now for a while. I, I bet it's been 10 years since I've seen Tiger Ginger Ale in the stores. But that stuff was really gingery. That was gingery ginger ale. And you uh, poured yourself a glass of Tiger Ginger Ale and tried to drink it. Ooh, you put that glass near your face to drink, and you would immediately start sneezing because all the gingery fizz from that glass would get in your nose, and you just you just had to sneeze a few times. <laughs> it was great ginger, I'll tell you. But Werner's ginger ale is also nice and gingery. That's why I like it. But it's not as strong as the old Tiger ginger ale. But, hey, it's the next best thing, so that's what I have. Well, friends, that was The Dark, an Arch Obler story from the original series Lights Out. Arch Obler put out an album in the early 1960s with a lot of his original stories, and the album was called Drop Dead. And that's where that song came, and that uh, story, I should say, came from the album Drop Dead with Arch Obler. Well, friends, we are so frightened. We're shaking so much. It's time we heard... A nice song to cheer us. A song that would make us feel happy again. You know, one of my very favorite, and I watch this every Halloween, and it never fails. My favorite Halloween program to watch is a cartoon that Disney made with Bing Crosby telling the story and singing the songs. Here is Bing Crosby from the cartoon classic, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, all about Ichabod and the Headless Horseman. Ichabod is the main character of the story. And Bing, well, he wants to tell you all about Ichabod himself. Go ahead, Bing. Oh, well, here he is. <laughs> there he is. I have trouble with that switch. Ichabod, odd old boy, Ichabod, that hobbledehoy, who's his own best pride and joy, Ichabod, Ichabod Crane, who's the town's ladies' man, gets around like nobody can, has to be none other than Ichabod, Ichabod Crane, dressed up. With his finery pressed up He goes strolling in his patched up pants And his ragged tails You'd think he was the Prince of Wales Ichabod, that's his name Ask him and he'll tell you the same Funny man and funny name Ichabod, Ichabod Walks like a crane, nose sticks out like a weather vane. Lean and lanky, skin and bones. 
clothes a scarecrow would like to own. That's Ichabod, that old boy, Ichabod, that hobbledy-hoy, who's his own best pride and joy, Ichabod, Ichabod, Crane. Who can wear tails and spats, button shoes and fancy cravats? Well, anyone would know that that's Ichabod, Ichabod, Crane. With his finery Dressed up He goes strolling in his patched up pants And his ragged tails You'd think he was the Prince of Wales Ichabod, Ichabod. Maybe Queen Ichabod Maybe Art Or maybe he ain't Anyway, there's no complaint Ichabod, 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 that's it, about Crane. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. Now, wasn't that good? Oh, yeah, Bing Crosby. You know, if you're scared, the best thing to do is to listen to Bing Crosby. <laughs> he always calms my nerves. There he is singing about Ichabod Crane, the main character in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the classic cartoon. And we're going to hear another song from that great Disney cartoon with Bing Crosby, who tells the story and plays the character of Ichabod Crane in the cartoon. And he also, of course, sings the songs involved. Well, friends, we just heard from Bing that calm our nerves. And now it's time we got to something else that will really calm our nerves. It'll not only calm our nerves, it'll tickle our funny bone. It's time now for The Great Gildersleeve and the special Halloween edition of The Great Gildersleeve, our holiday special. This one comes from October 29th of 1947. A Halloween party is planned at Mrs. Dalrymple's house. Mrs. Dalrymple is, is uh, Gildersleeve's uh, latest flame that he has uh, fallen for. This is before he meets Adelaide. Uh, Leela in this at this point of the storyline. Leela has gone back to Georgia. Adelaide has not come on the scene yet, but now Gildersleeve has met Mrs. Dalrymple, and he's hoping for a nice private Halloween party with Mrs. Dalrymple, but it may not work out the way Gildersleeve likes. From October 29th, 1947, a special Halloween edition on The Great Gildersleeve here on Sounds Like Radio. Let's listen. The Kraft Foods Company presents Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> the Great Gildersleeve is brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company. Tonight, we have special news for you. Kraft presents a new cheddar cheese. It's called K-Brand Natural. K-Brand is cheddar cheese at its best. Finest quality cheese from the standpoint of both flavor and texture. Listen for the exciting story of K-Brand Natural later in the program. It is written that men of genius have that capacity for losing themselves in their work. At the end of each month... The great Gildersleeve loses himself in the pile of water bills. And helping him get lost is his secretary... Bessie? Bessie, come in here. Did you call me, Mr. Gildersleeve? 
Your name's Bessie, isn't it? Yes, sir. Oh, then you did call me. It... Bessie, I've been looking high and low for that list of turn-ons. Where is it? Turn-ons? Yes, you made it out this very morning. I did? I'll say one thing for you, Bessie. You've made a place for yourself here in the water department. Oh, thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. You've misplaced so many reports since you've been here, you've made yourself indispensable. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> Don't mention it. Now think, Bessie. Where is the list of turn-ons? New customers. Oh, new customers. It's right here on your desk, Mr. Gildersleeve. Do <laughs> you want me to read them? Yes, I'll check. Ready? Go right ahead. I'll start with the A's. Now you're thinking, Bessie. Adkins, James. Adkins, James. Clausen, Henry L. Clausen, Henry L. Dalrymple, Mrs. J.W. Dalrymple, Doris. Doris? Doris? Oh, did I say Doris? Yes, sir. That's where we got stopped before. Should I try to call Mrs. Dalrymple again, Mr. Gildersleeve? No, no, Bessie. Probably out joyriding with Judge Hooker while I work. <laughs> Is there something wrong with her statement, Mr. Gildersleeve? No, no, her statement's fine. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I'll mail it then with the others. Uh, mail it? Uh, wait a minute, Bessie. I may be passing that way, and so I'll drop it by myself, right now, as a service to a new customer. But, Mr. Gildersleeve, isn't that out of your way? Save a stamp, Bessie. Save a stamp. <laughs> and, Bessie, call the florist and have him make up two dozen roses. Yes, sir. To whom should I have the roses sent? I'll pick them up. I'll deliver them myself. Mrs. Dalrymple? Yeah, to Mrs. Dalrymple. Well, she's a new customer. Sure is a long way to Mrs. Dalrymple's. She would live over here by the school grounds. And how she stands those noisy kids. Hi, Uncle. Uh, Leroy. Hasn't he left for home yet? Hi, Uncle. Come for me. I'm just going. Uh, Leroy, put in your shirt tail. But school's out. So's your shirt tail. Put it in. Why? Well, I have to pull it right out again when I change for dinner. Why stick it in one right away? I have to pull it out. Leroy. Okay. Now I'm ready. Let's go. She ain't nice here to come so far out of your way just to walk home with me. Uh, well, I have a water bill to deliver, Leroy. Okay, I'll help you. I don't need any help, young man. There's only one bill. See, isn't that Mrs. Dalrymple exercising your dog? Yeah. Let's go deliver the bill, Unc. Uh, the bill happens to be for Mrs. Dalrymple. Oh, I get it. And the flowers happen to be for her dog. <laughs> Leroy, don't try to be smart. It's very unlike you around the schoolhouse. Well, hello, Mrs. Dalrymple. Why, Mr. Gildersleeve and Leroy. Oh, I didn't expect to see you here, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, I didn't expect to see you either. Just on my way home. <laughs> Leroy. <laughs> you may go home now. But, Uncle, I want to watch you give her the flowers. Run along, young man, and tell Bertie I'll be right behind you. Okay. Well, Mrs. Dalrymple, isn't this a coincidence? But say, Unc... What is it now, Leroy? You didn't mean what you said this morning, did you? That I have to be in by 9 o'clock tomorrow night? All the kids are going Halloween. Leroy, I gave you my answer. Okay. I uh, think I'll stick around and wait for you then. Oh, isn't that cute? Leroy. <laughs> what about Halloween? Still 9 o'clock? All right, 10 o'clock. Ye gods. Oh, boy, thanks, Uncle. Glad I saw you, Mr. Oh. Uh. 
My, what a spirited young boy. He's charming, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, I do get a boot out of Leroy. And he gets a few out of me, too. <laughs> oh, uh, the flowers. Oh, flowers. Yeah, from the water department. New customer, you know. Oh, they're perfectly lovely, Mr. Gildersleeve. They're just peachy. <laughs> peachy. <laughs> and uh, there's your water bill, too. A water bill? Isn't that cute? Yeah, think so. Oh. oh, Mr. Gildersleeve, do you bring flowers to all of your new customers? <laughs> well. And deliver all of your water bills in person? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Care to sit down for a minute on the bench? Oh, I really should be going. Take a load off those dainty little feet. All righty. But what'll I do with Duke? Duke? Oh, the dog. Oh, tie him to the flagpole. That'll hold him. Here, I'll do it for you. Yeah, nice, Duke. <laughs> Maybe you better do it. I'd hate to upset him. Well, I'll unsnap his leash and let him romp. He won't go far unless he sees a cat or something. There you are, Duke big elephant. I hope he flushes a greyhound bus and chases it all the way to Dallas. Uh, what was that, Mr. Gildersleeve? Uh, oh, I said I had a greyhound once, name of Alice. <laughs> uh, look at him romp off. <laughs> Frisky. Must be the weather. Nothing like autumn air. <sighs> oh, I love the fall season. And it's especially nice here in Summerfield. Uh, you'll get to like it even better. Yes, sir. Just look at those trees. Wonderful time of the year. See, tomorrow's Halloween. Let's have a little party at your house. Too many people at mine. <laughs> a Halloween party? Sure. Bob for apples, toast marshmallows. I'll get candy, pumpkins, noisemakers. Why, that's a marvelous idea. Oh, but Mr. Gildersleeve, hmm. I don't know anybody in Summerfield. I, I wouldn't know who to invite. You know me. All right. You're invited. I am. I'll be expecting you early. Well, I'd better go get the dude. Yeah, Ta-ta, Mrs. Dalrymple. <laughs> <laughs> well, a cozy little Halloween. Just for two. Tea for two. And two for Good morning, Bertie. Good morning. Morning, Mr. Gilsey. Coming with the coffee. Mmm, smells good, Bertie. Yes, sir. Oh, Mr. Gillsleeve, Chief of Police Mr. Gates called up this morning early. Oh? Well, what did he say? Nothing the first time. When I heard it was the police, I hung up. You hung up? <laughs> well, why'd you do that? I don't know. I guess I've been going to too many gangster pictures. Oh, my God. I'd better call him. Oh, he called back. He said to remind you of the annual Jolly Boys Halloween party tonight. Oh, by George. I forgot that, Bertie. Well, if he calls again, tell him I have a little party of my own. With a little party. <laughs> yes, sir. And when you go to the market, Bertie, remember to pick up two pumpkins for me, will you? 
I'll try to remember, Mr. Gilsey. Two pumpkins. Yeah. But everybody else around here has asked me to remember things, too. I know, Bertie, but this is very... Miss Marjorie wants Bertie to remember the, uh, the Halloween candy, and Leroy wants Bertie to remember his teacher's birthday, and the city wants Bertie to remember to put out the cans. And... All right, Bertie. But I'll try. There's one thing you got to say for Bertie. She tries to remember. Yeah. <laughs> and now what'll it be for you, sir? Two pumpkins. Those two funny hats. She'd like the one with the feather. Give me two apples, Joe, that float. Give me two horns. Peavy, give me two cigars. Your uh, usual brand, Mr. Gildersleeve? <laughs> Say, Peavy, I see you have Halloween masks. Let me have a couple of them. One for me and one for a, a lady. Well, well, Mr. Gildersleeve, we have quite a selection. What kind did you have in mind? Well, I don't know. I... Well, now, here's one that covers the whole face. I'm taking one of those home for Mrs. Peavy. We <laughs> also have them with funny black mustaches. Yeah, no thanks, Peavy. And then we have the type that just covers the eyes. Oh, fine, fine. Give me two of those, Peavy. Come to think of it. You better have the lips free. <laughs> We're bobbing for apples, Peavy. What's wrong with that? You're nothing, Mr. Gildersleeve. You uh, care to try on some of the masks? Yeah, just give me two, Peavy. Any two. And I'll reach two of these El Lobo cigars you have on the counter here. The El Lobo? Well, I spent a lot of money today, Peavy. Yeah. A little black, but they look fresh. Well, the customer's always right, Mr. Gildersleeve. El Lobo's it is. That'll be uh, 50 cents for the masks and 8 cents for the two cigars. Yeah, A.R.P.B. 58. Yeah, I think I'll light one. I guess the boys will be out raising old Ned tonight. Had quite a nice run on soap today. Oh, well, I soaked my share when I was a kid. But tonight I'm looking forward to a quiet, cozy Halloween. Uh, well... Cigar went out, Peavy. <laughs> Those El Lobos smoke up a lot of matches. <laughs> yes, sir, Peavy. I'm really looking forward to this evening with a charming little lady. Halloween for two. Ta-da. Uh, Peavy, we're going to have a wonderful time. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yes, that, yes. Huh? Uh, Mrs. Peavy and I may be a little late. Have to close up, you know, but... but? We'll join in in the spirit of things when we get there. Get where, Peavy? To Mrs. Dalrymple's party. Mrs. Dalrymple? She isn't having a party. Nobody else has been invited, just me. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> according to Judge Hooker, there's going to be quite a gathering. Hooker? The Jolly Boys, Matthew Williger. That old goat, what does he have to do with this? I don't know, Mr. Gildersleeve. All I know is that when I get a chance to get out of the house with Mrs. Peavy on Halloween, I take it. Yes, yes. Well, I hope you'll all have a happy Halloween, Peavy. Goodbye. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve, uh, is something wrong? Mr. Gildersleeve. That's peculiar. First he turned pale and then pink. I didn't think those El Lobos were that bad. <laughs>
Do you like natural cheese, especially a mellow, rich-flavored cheddar? Well, then, here's news to make your mouth water. Kraft experts now can give you a natural cheddar cheese with uniform fine flavor and texture and made from pasteurized milk. It's called K-Brand Natural. That's K-A-Y brand natural. Just think of the mellow goodness of natural golden cheddar, but made from milk pasteurized as carefully as the milk your children drink. Excuse me, but I don't quite understand. You mean all the milk in K-Brand cheese is pasteurized? Absolutely. Every drop is wholesome pasteurized milk. K-Brand is aged differently, too. Natural cheese ordinarily is cured in cheesecloth and forms a rind. But each big 10-pound bar of K-Brand has no rind because it ages in its own transparent wrapper. And it comes to your dealers with all its golden goodness still protected by this spick and span wrapper. How do I buy K-Brand Natural? Your dealer will cut as much as you wish. A portion, thick slices, or a wedge. You'll use it in sandwiches and on your cheese tray. I'd better get enough. My family will love it for snacks. And with pie, too. Tomorrow, folks, when you shop, look for the big golden bar with K-Brand Natural. K-Brand Natural down the top and side. It's the wonderful new natural cheddar made from pasteurized milk. Now it's late afternoon, and if we hurry, we can catch the great Gildersleeve as he pulls up in front of his house. His car, like Noah's Ark, loaded with two of everything. And he, like Noah, very much at sea. Fine friend Hooker turned out to be. Inviting everybody to my party. Oop. What's his car doing in front of my house? Well, this is one time I'm glad my brakes aren't too good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my brakes are even worse than I thought. (laughs) Yeah, that'll teach him. What was that? Hope it was Hooker's muffler. Hmm, my license plate. <laughs> oh, well, it was nearly a year old anyway. What's the matter, Gildersleeve? Don't you know how to park a car? You're the one who doesn't know how to park, Hooker, right next to a fire plug. I didn't park next to the fire plug. Well, you're next to it now. <laughs> it's a little early for Halloween pranks, isn't it, Gildersleeve? You started him, Hooker. You've got a lot of nerve coming over to my house after what you did. Get off the property. Now, Gildy, I'm Mrs. Dalrymple's legal advisor. She decides to give a party, so I help her. And if I do say so, it's a very carefully prepared guest list. The jolly boys. We were going to have a party anyway, and Floyd and Mrs. Munson are always good for laughs. Ye gods, Hooker, not lovey Munson. Mrs. Munson has a heart of gold. And I invited Mayor Terwilliger for dignity. It's time Mrs. Dalrymple met some of the important people of Summerfield. I don't suppose I'm important. I didn't say you weren't, but she's met you. Not afraid of a little competition, are you, Gildy? <laughs> Go move your car before I call the police, Hooker. Well, if you're going to be stubborn, I'll run along and get you to the party. By the way, Gildy. Yes? I left your invitation on the mantel. <laughs> Go haunt a house, Hooker. Didn't even offer to help me take these things inside. Oh, darn pumpkins. Seem a lot heavier than when I bought them. Hope I step on one of Leroy's roller skates and break the whole shebang. Hello, Wonky. Here, let me 
help you? Hello, Marjorie. Thank you, my dear. I'll take the horns. Looks like your party's going to be fun. I don't know. I may not even go. What's wrong, Uncle Morris? Who wants to go to a party with people there? Unky, don't be silly. I have 20 kids coming over here. What's a party without a big crowd? Well, this is one time I don't want to be crowded. By George, I don't think I'll go. Oh, go ahead, Uncle. You have a good time. I refuse to have a good time. I'll stay home. But, Uncle Mort, you won't have any fun here. <laughs> Kids will be all over the house. I won't be in their way. I'll go upstairs and spend Halloween in my room. Leroy will let me use his little radio. Probably. Poor old Unky. That's all right. Mrs. Dalrymple wants a lot of people around her. Why should I care? But I don't want to be there. Oh, I'll get it. That must be Francie calling about the favors. You can have the favors I bought. <laughs> Whole day shot. I'd have had more fun down at the office working. I wouldn't be nearly so tired. Seemed to tire more easily since my birthday last week. <laughs> Read an ad someplace that said I would. Somebody get the telephone? Oh, good evening, Miss Gilsey. I didn't know you were home. Yes, Bertie. Yipe! <laughs> Bertie, why are you wearing that witch's hat? You should have warned me. Sorry, Mr. Gilsleeve. I'm just in the process of dressing for a party in the church basement. I'm going as a witch. Huh? Taking the bus or going to fly? <laughs> <laughs> me fly, Mr. Gilsleeve? Don't expect too much of Halloween. <laughs> Something's in the icebox, Mr. Gilsleeve. I'm off. Yeah, go have your fun while you're young, Bertie. And don't ring too many doorbells. No, sir. Won't catch me ringing no doorbells. My girlfriend met a fella at a party, and they went out ringing doorbells and ended up ringing wedding bells. <laughs> what you going to do at your party, Miss Gilson? Uh, my party? Well, I've just about given up the idea, but... Uh, yes, sir? By George, Bertie, you know what? I think we'll go out ringing doorbells. <laughs> <laughs> to Bob for apples next. Mrs. Munson? Sure, might as well, Judge. My makeup's coming off anyway. <laughs> what a silly game. Hey, I got a wonderful idea, folks. Let's all go out and ring doorbells. Quiet! Can't you see a lady's bobbing for apples? Well, here goes. Listen, listen, oh, oh, oh. Congratulations, Mrs. Munson. What do you know? Lovey, come up with an apple. Her and her big mouth. Oh, you were wonderful, Mrs. Munson. Ah, thanks, Mrs. Dalrymple. You throw swell parties, honey. Everybody's Bob but you, Phoebe. Better join in the fun. Oh, I don't think I should, Judge. I didn't bring along my earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, what'll we play now? Hey, why don't we go out and ring doorbells? Look huh? at Lovey. Look at Lovey. She should have worn a bathing suit. She bobbed so deep, she's got water on the knee. Ha, 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 ha. Hey, Pete, where's the missus? She come, didn't she? Oh, yeah, she's in the other room watching the aquarium. Mrs. Peavy likes goldfish. She's not bobbing for him, is she? <laughs> Only kidding, Pete. Well, what'll we play now? Quiet, Chief. Hey, everybody, I've got a wonderful idea. Why don't we all go out and ring doorbells? What's the matter, Commissioner? Ain't you having any fun? Hey, who brought the two horns? Mr. Gildersleeve, I believe. The party's on him. <laughs> You'll see, you old goat. Oh, come on, Floydie. Let's play a duet. Oh, 
do let's have some music. Mr. Gildersleeve, you sing, don't you? Well, yes, I do, Mrs. Dalrymple. Uh, what would you like to hear? Well, I'd like to hear the chief sing. <laughs> he has a deep voice. Now, Mrs. Munson. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> Come on, chiefy, over by the plan. But I'm strictly a quartet man. Uh, come on, jolly boys, I need a little help. What about going out and ringing doorbells? Now, we're singing, Commander. Huh? Okay, well, it'll be, fellas. There is a tavern in the town. Keep in me, keep me. Huh? Remember where we are. Oh, pardon me. Yeah. How about it's always fair weather, gentlemen? We do that well. Yeah, here we go. Now, you take the solo, Chief, just like down at the club. Uh, come on, join in, Commander. Well, if I'm not intruding at my own party. All together. Oh, it's always fair weather When good brothers get together With a sign Our apologies, Mrs. Dalrymple On the table Well, what'll we play now? I have a wonderful little suggestion. Listen, everybody. Hey, I just got another great idea. Quiet, everybody. Mrs. Munson has an idea. Yeah. Why don't we all go out and ring doorbells? <laughs> why didn't we think of that before? Yeah, why didn't we think of that before? It's a great idea, lovey. Well, let's go ring doorbells, everybody. Great idea, Mrs. Munson. Sorry I didn't think of it. Great, great. But, fellas, I can't go ringing doorbells. You forgot my position. I'm chief of police. Isn't that cute? Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, Chief. Come on, I got a reputation to uphold, too. Let's all pair up, two by two. Come along, Mrs. Dalry. But fellas. Come on, Phoebe, let's go ring the school bell. Well, uh, you ring, and Mrs. Phoebe and I'll just listen. <laughs> Great. We'll go the other way. Come on, Mrs. Dalrymple. Well, all righty. Just a minute, Gildy. Don't go sneaking off without me. I feel personally responsible for the safety of our charming hostess this evening. Isn't that cute? Well, then, come on, you old goat. <laughs> hey, there's a light in that window. Go ahead, Judge. Ring the doorbell. We'll get ready to run. Why should I go up and ring it, Gildy? Why don't you? You're faster on your feet than I am, Judge. Remember you're thinner. Go ahead. Well, I'm not afraid either. Come on, Mrs. Dalrymple. We'd better get a head start. But what about the judge? The judge? Oh, he'll find us. He has the nose of a bloodhound. <laughs> Let's duck behind this hedge. We'll go up through this alley. I know a doorbell we could ring. But, but Mr. Gildersleeve, what about the judge? Huh? Isn't he right behind us? Well, he got lost, didn't he? <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve, I think you did that on purpose. No. Oh, here's the house. Let's sneak around the side, huh? But it's so dark. Yeah, it is. I'd better take your hand. Oh, gloves. <laughs> well, follow me. Hurry up on the porch. Watch your step. There. Now, why don't you ring? 
All righty. Mr. Gildersleeve, we don't want to ring this bell. This is my house. It is? <laughs> well, then I'd better ring the bell, huh? You get inside and answer the door. Trick or treat. Oh, you are fun. On second thought, I think I'll come in with you a little chilly out here. <laughs> well, Mrs. Dalrymple? Yes? Trick or treat. How about a kiss? Uh, don't you think we'd better turn on the lights? Lights? Huh? Well, let's go in the living room. Plenty of light from the fireplace. We'll wait for the others. Sit down, Mrs. Dalrymple. Uh, Doris. Doris? Isn't that cute? <laughs> uh, care to take off your gloves? All righty. Hi, George Doris. I didn't think I was going to have any fun tonight. All those people here. But now I'm having a wonderful time. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm glad you are, Mr. Gildersleeve, because I'm having a wonderful time, too. You are? Doris. Yes. It's Halloween. I know, but... Trick or treat. <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> Uh, what was that? Does your dog snore? He does, but he's not here. He's over at my mother's house tonight with Baby. Uh, stand back. I'll strike a match. It's Chief Gates! Oh, oh, you're back. Well, good. What do we play now? Isn't that cute? Oh! <laughs> Good morning, Bessie. Well, glad to see you here on time. Did you have a nice Halloween, Mr. Gildersleeve? Uh, rather disappointing, Bessie. Did you have a good time? Oh, I stayed home. And people were ringing our doorbell all night. Father got awfully mad. Yes, yes. He went upstairs and dumped a bucket of water on one of them. Oh? And when he saw who it was, he threw the bucket at him. He did? Well, who was it? Judge Hooker. <laughs> well, it wasn't such a bad Halloween after all. But Bessie... Tell your father not to dump any more water out the window, because I may be ringing his doorbell tonight. Really? But, Mr. Gildersleeve, Halloween's over. For the community chest. Oh, father has a check all ready for you. Yeah, fine, Bessie. Folks, when a volunteer worker from the community chest rings your doorbell, don't give him a big argument. Give him a big check. The more you give, the better you'll feel. Good night. I gotta go ring doorbells. <laughs> The Great Gildersleeve is played by Harold Perry. It was written by John Elliott and Andy White with music by Jack Meekin. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Louise Erickson, Lillian Randolph, Earl Ross, and Richard Legrand. This is John Wald saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company, makers of the famous line of Kraft quality food products. Me too, good night. Tomorrow night, William Bendix will be Al Jolson's guest on the Kraft Music Hall heard over this NBC station. Don't miss this great pair. Remember, tomorrow night, 
For exact time, see your local paper. And listen in next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Do the folks at your house like their macaroni and cheese fluffy light with cheddar cheese goodness through and through? Well, let me tell you how to cook that splendid dish in just seven minutes. Ask your grocer for a box of Kraft Dinner. In that package, you'll find a special macaroni that cooks fluffy light in just seven minutes. Also, Kraft grated to add that delicious cheddar cheese flavor. Seven minutes, and you have a delicious main dish. If you wish, add a little leftover meat or chicken or vegetables. The family will probably say it's the best macaroni and cheese they've ever tasted. Remember the name, Kraft Dinner. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, there you have it, friends, from October 29th of 1947, a very special Halloween edition of the Great Gildersleeve here on a very special holiday edition of Sounds Like Radio. We love doing these holiday programs especially when it's holiday time. That's the only time we do a holiday show. You'll never hear a 4th of July show in the middle of October, and you'll never hear a Halloween show in July. So there you go. So it is Halloween time, so we're very happy to celebrate Halloween with the great Gildersleeve, even with Gildersleeve's failed potty plans with Mrs. Dalrymple. (laughs) You know, I'm feeling too happy. I think it's time we got scared again. How about uh, we uh, hear another scary, spooky story from Mr. Boris Karloff? You know, I've read quite a lot in my time. I especially like reading detective stories. But, you know, I haven't read anything from Shakespeare. Frankly, it's a bit confusing. But anyway, I, I don't even think I've read Hamlet. Do you think I could have read that, Boris? Surely you must have read Hamlet at some time or other in your life. If you did, uh, do you recall that line? There are more things in heaven and hell, Horatio, than ever dreamed of in your philosophy. Well, the strange tale that I'm about to tell you is something like that. My story has to do with traveling and automobiles and a little girl. Do you believe that the dead can influence the living? But come... Listen to the incredible history of Martin Cable and the little girl in the polka dot dress. The road was dark and winding that grim night that Martin Cable drove his sedan towards Webb Center. The rain slashed, howled, tore at the windows, and Martin Cable was worried. His headlights had fused out, and driving in unfamiliar territory down an unknown road on such a dreadful night was not the safest thing in the world. Martin Cable was due in Webb Center on an important business meeting that could mean a whole new life for him. And so he drove on, taking his chances with the weather, with the car, with his life. Suddenly, through the windshield wipers mopping furiously at the glass, Martin Cable saw a flash of something up ahead, a white face in the darkness. Hurriedly, he slammed on the brakes and the car swerved toward Martin Cable peered out onto the road. There was a little girl standing there in a polka dot dress, the rain pelting at her viciously, making of her hair a tangled mess. 
The child's face was chalk white and ghostly, and before Martin Cable could ask her anything, she came forward and put one tiny hand on the car window and pointed down the road. Mister, her small voice was pitiful, you better turn left here. There's a big hole in the ground just ahead. You, you can't go that way. Gratefully, Martin Cable thanked her and asked her if he could give her a lift home. She shook her head and indicated a grey cottage just to the right of the road. I'll be all right, she said. I live just there. So Martin Cable took the turn off and arrived safely at his destination. Tired and shaken, but thankful that the little girl had saved his life. The next day, when he inquired about the road, the hotel clerk told him that a rock slide had made an immense pit on the road that would kill anyone who fell into it. Well, Martin Cable completed his business in Webb Center, paid a visit to a toy store, and drove back the way he had come. He decided to repay the little girl for her kindness the night before. When he drew his car up to the grey cottage, a peaceful serenity hung over the walls and the windows. Martin Cable, with his gift under his arm, knocked loudly on the little oaken door. A small, grey-haired woman came to see who it was, and Martin Cable introduced himself and explained his visit. He wanted to see the little girl, he said. What little girl, the woman asked. Martin Cable rushed on to tell about the rain and being lost and saved from certain death, and describe her to me, the lady said. What was she wearing? Confused, Martin Cable mentioned the polka dot dress. But he didn't understand until the lady shook her head sadly. Yes, she said, it was Madeline. Once a year she comes to that part of the road and warns some traveller away from the very spot. It's been like that for five years now. But Martin Cable was dumbfounded. What did the woman mean? Yet it was all very simple. Madeline was my daughter. And five years ago, she died in an accident at the place where she told you to turn. You see, she got run over by a car there. Curious, isn't it? A little girl returning like that to warn the unwary traveller away from death. Oh, oh, oh yes. Uh, if you're driving tonight, do be careful. There might be a nasty break in the road. Oh, my... Thanks, Boris, for the warning. <laughs> oh, somehow I don't feel assured. Somehow a little tale there from Boris called Voice from the Grave here on Sounds Like Radio. Well, friends, it's time we manage to calm our nerves a little bit. How we do that, you ask? Well... My favorite way of calming my nerves is listening to the great Bing Crosby. We talked about another song from the classic Halloween cartoon that Bing did called The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. That great song from this cartoon, in fact, my favorite song from the cartoon, is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow itself. That's the title of the song, and we've got Bing Crosby right here to sing it. Take it away, Bing. We are ready. Outside when it gets late. Long about midnight, the ghosts and banshees get together for their nightly jamborees. 
There's ghosts with horns and saucer eyes And some with fangs about this size Some short and fat, some tall and thin Some don't even bother to wear their skin Oh, oh, I'm telling you, brother It's a frightful sight to see what goes on in the night Didn't I tell you that was a good cartoon? Bing Crosby singing the theme from the Legend of Sleepy Hollow cartoon, the Disney cartoon, and uh, that's a good one. Every Halloween I watch that, and I advise you to watch it too. It's a goodie. Very well animated. The colors, it's just a perfect cartoon for Halloween. Well, speaking of perfect for Halloween, I think we should turn back to our house our host who started our show. I'm talking about Mr. Hitchcock. He always has pleasant things to say, doesn't he? And I think he also enjoyed the song we heard. Right, Alfred? I trust that everyone is enjoying the music. As the title of the album suggests, this was meant for your listening pleasure while you are being done in. However, anyone may listen. We have no intention to discriminate. After all, the murderer has as much right to enjoy himself as his victim. Which brings me to this very practical aspect of our album. If you turn the volume up very loud, it will drown out screams. 
Well, thanks for that advice, Alfred. <laughs> well, Alfred, he he's in the mood for some more music, and so am I. After all these frights we've had, we've got to calm our nerves. Bing Crosby started me calming my nerves. Let me take another swig of my ginger ale here. <coughs> I told you that ginger ale, when it's strong, it does make you cough. There's only one thing that's going to help me calm my nerves again, and that's to listen to another song like Alfred wants. What do you say we listen to Satchmo himself singing all about spooks? Here is Louis Armstrong and spooks. Don't get too frightened, friends. It's just Louis. What did I just tell you? Never mind. The other night, about 12 o'clock, I thought I'd go downstairs just to check the lock. When I heard something in the house, I don't mean a mouse. I swear they were spooks, spooks, spooks. I know they were spooks, 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 spooks. spooks. Couldn't move, just stood and stare. I never was so scared. The first spook spoke and I heard him speak. He said, what's it go make the back door squeak? We'll tease the cat and hound the pup and raise our spirits up. Oh, Lord of them spooks, 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 those scary old spooks, 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 spooks. You don't have to take my word, but I heard what I heard. The next spook spoke, he said, suppose we make the fossil start to drip and make the shutter shake. You let me know just what you want. This is my favorite haunt. Beware of them spooks, 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 them mischievous spooks, 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 spooks. I hate spooking, man, I mean that I've seen what i see. A big spook spoke, he said, spike my son. He said, I'll show you how to scare up some fun. But next time when you wail, see here, you make it loud and clear. Watch out for them spooks, spooks, spook of those nasty old spooks, 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 spooks. Maybe you don't think it's so, but I know what I know. The last spook turned to his spouse and frowned. Said, I thought I told you to wait in the ground. But you look awful cute tonight. In fact, you look a fright. <laughs> He's talking about spooks, spooks, spooks. Real genuine spooks, 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 spooks. No, you stop putting up your dukes. You just can't fight to them spooks. Cutting out of here, man. I don't dig this guy. No. Wait for us. Wait for us. Wait for us. Wait for us. <laughs> Louis, he's already got his hat on. You don't like them spooks, and I can't say that I blame him. The great Louis Armstrong from an album called Satchmo in Style. Here on Sounds Like Radio. Well, I think it's time we hear one last spooky story. And what? Should we listen to? I think we should turn to that master of radio horror, Arch Obla. Here he is to tell us all about mm, the chicken heart. So far, all my hairs on the back of my neck are calmly lying down. No short hairs rising? <laughs> then permit me to try you with the science fiction type. Do you have to? With all these Sputniks and satellites circling our Earth, 
And with all this competitive fiction and fusion going on, science fiction horror is the very latest. And we are trying to bring you the very latest. Do you remember some time ago in an Eastern scientific institution, they kept a piece of heart alive for weeks on end? Well, I got to thinking, what if that heart began to grow? And grow, and grow, and grow? Get ready, friends. Hello? Hello, operator. Give me Mr. Regan, fast. Hello, Mr. Regan, this is Lewis. Listen, get me a rewrite, man. The thing's still growing. No, Chief, I tell you the truth. The corridor's choked with living, crawling flesh. No, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm telling you the truth. That little piece of flesh has grown until now. It's jamming that building all inside the space of an hour. You've got to believe me. It's the greatest news story of the generation, and here you argue with me. I tell you, it's the truth. You've got to believe you me. You believe me. I tell you, the only hope is to burn the building to the ground at once. Now, wait a minute, Doc. Wait. Take it easy. I tell you, burn it to the ground. Burn. And I tell you, take it easy. I sent in a call. No, don't you understand? For some reason, I cannot even imagine. This tissue is doubling in size every hour. Do you know what that means? In another hour, it will be twice the size it is now. And long before that, it will break open the building with the force of its pressure. And then it will be free in the street. Do you hear me? Free in the street. And then those, those tentacles of protoplasm stretching out to feed on anything they can reach. The building! See the walls! Gratting! I want you! I want you! thing is spreading like a forest fire. Call the governor. Get the National Guard out. Do something. Don't just stand behind me. I'm sick of hearing it. Do something. Let's see what he says. Gentlemen, it was in my institute this horror began. And if you give me a chance, perhaps I can stop it. What is it, doctor? Tell us first what that monster really is. Yes. Yes, I will tell you. That great, ever-growing mass of flesh. It is, or it was, a chicken heart. Chicken heart? Are you crazy, man? Chicken heart? Crazy! Chicken heart! Chicken heart! Chicken heart! Chicken heart! Chicken heart! Listen to me, you fools! Listen! Everybody up there knows what he's talking about! I tell you, that mass of flesh was a chicken heart. The tissue of which, for some reason, is undergoing constant, rapid, accelerating growth. With every passing hour, its growth is doubling. Do you know what that means? If it is now one block in size, within 30 hours, that cannibal flesh will have increased in size to one square block to the 30th power. In 30 hours, every inch of this whole city will be crushed under that moving flesh. Within 60 hours, it will have covered the entire state. Within two weeks, the entire United States. You ask for the National Guard. I say, call out the entire army. 
I'm glad I located you. I stalled as long as I could, another ten minutes, and we couldn't have taken off. That blasted protoplasm, or whatever it is, was sucking at the wheels by the time we left the ground. Yes, yes I saw. Five thousand feet. Well, we'll cruise around up here for a few minutes, and then head west. It will do no good. You can't mean it. It, it must stop growing sometime. It must. Look at it down there. The gray blankets of evil covering everything. See how the roads are black with men and women and their children running for their lives. See how the protoplasmic gray reaches out and engulfs them. See Stop how... it! Stop talking like that. We'll get away. The government, they'll send bombing planes, poison gas. No, halt. Listen to me, Lewis. You remember only a handful of days ago, you asked me my prophecy of the end of the earth? You remember my answer? Oh, such a scholarly prophecy. Cessation of earth rotation mighty-sounding astronomical theories. But now, this is reality, Lewis. The end has come for humanity. Not in the red of atomic fusion. Not in the glory of interstellar combustion. Not in the peace of white, cold silence. But with that, that creeping, grasping flesh below us. It is a joke, hey, Lewis? A great joke. The joke of the cosmos. The end of mankind. Why? Because of a chicken's heart. No! No, we won't die. I can't die. I'll find a safe landing somewhere. I'll find a place. The motor, it's cut out. We're in a spin. I can't get out of it. I told you. Doomed. No. No. All mankind. Doomed. No. We're falling right into it. Into the heart. Well. What a way to go, huh? If you gotta go, diving into a giant chicken heart. Well, it may not be the most ideal way. <laughs> oh my, we hope you had some fun here today on our Halloween special on Sounds Like Radio, the Great Gildersleeve's Halloween Party, and some spooky stories from Boris Koloff, some rather droll introductions from Alfred Hitchcock, and, of course, the master of Radio Hara, Arch Obler, and two of my favorite tales. Well, friends, that'll do it. Until the next time we get together with more Sounds Like Radio, hopefully 
we won't be so scared next time because we only get scared on these Halloween programs. I am your humble host for Sounds Like Radio. Join us again for more Sounds Like Radio the next time we get together. Goodbye, everybody. just love this spooky sound. I'm getting them chills again. Goodbye, everybody.